Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I'd like to share a little word with you from our sponsors, Odds Crowd. Are you the best football better in the United States? At Odds Crowds, our friends are challenging you to prove it this fantasy season with their epic free-to-play fantasy betting contests. One of my favorite things to do is be betting and not actually have to lose any actual cash. There's over $30,000 in cash prizes up for grabs, both season-long and weekly contests on NFL and college football. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place risk-free fantasy bets against real odds and lines, much like you would with any pick tracking app. The most profitable players are rising up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download, you can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, and set up private fantasy contests with your buddies and much more. So download the app for free or go to oddscrowd.com. Welcome in to yet another fantastic Rookie on the Rise episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm beyond excited, beyond stoked, beyond honored to have the fantastic opportunity to bring on the same guest I had last year to talk about the same position I had last year, just a lot worse options. Ladies and gentlemen, I am beyond excited to bring Mr. Felix Sharp to the show. You can find him on Twitter at Sharper Review. He is a writer for Campus to Can. I believe you're also a CEO of that as well. And you used to be a lawyer, which is probably if anyone knows you, knows that you are just have such a quaint way with words. It, it shows in many, many different facets. How are we doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. Uh, it's hot as hell. I know this is an audio medium. We got the nips out, shirts off. Woo! Um, we're doing the we are doing the damn thing, Britt. Um, the last time I talked to you, this pod was not on the Debbie Deep Dive Network, and now it is. So uh, it is, right? This is this is on the Debbie Deep no, Dive Network. No, no. Brandon rookies? said you're not good enough. Just, we just want your analytics. We don't want your rookies. Oh, man. I'm just sitting here. In the, even, I'm in the ether alone. No one wants to I'm love gonna, me. I'm going to text him right now. So <laughs> what, what, what's going on, man? You know, he just sees the, the Campus to Can podcast and he goes, I can't beat that. So I'm going to go different because y'all have been out three or six different shows a day. It's incredible. Listen, we're trying to hustle at the at the company. We uh, first of all, we love producing content. It's a new format. It's relatively new. And we know that there are people out there hustling. So we're trying to, you know, recruit the best we can, put the best content that we can out. And this is just a lot of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun making fun of, you know, Colin and, and Matt <laughs> and definitely Alfred. Uh, we make fun of Alfred <laughs> every single week. So it's a good time. It's not it's it's especially during we started during the pandemic. You know, we needed something to occupy our time, and we found something that we really believe in and that we love. And it doesn't really matter if if 
the even if the response was not as positive as it has been, I think we would still be doing it. I, I mean, the, what you guys are doing, the product you're putting out, I strongly recommend for anybody that is in or thinking about the Devi experience, the Devi deep dive and the campus can or two low key, like lesser known outlets and sources that are just absolutely phenomenal what they offer. So, uh, Felix, before we dig into the good, I'm not even going to call it what we're talking about good, into the mandatory reporting of these positions, I have to ask a question of the show. I get to ask the question of the show. What do you feel like your most unique trait is as a human? Yeah, that was, uh, did I write something down? I don't, I don't know what my most unique, I think my most unique, my most prominent trait is just the willingness to turn something from idea into executed vision you know because i really believe that ideas are for lazy people so um we turn we turn um you know a concept into product very quickly and i think that um that's something that i i bring to the table at least as far as the company goes is just pushing us for pushing us forward and not just having a um whiteboard with with potential but actually bringing it to fruition I think that's a fantastic trait as well. It's really important to have um, just in general, to be honest. It's a very, very fruitful trait as well. So we are here in your ears to discuss the quarter. I also have a, a, I also have a birthmark on my left calf. Ooh. Oh, we get a little double dipping today, folks. We are in. Whoa, the heat must be getting to you, Felix. All right. So I'm here. We're here for the nitty gritty little interesting details. So, uh, we are going to dive into the most mediocre quarterback class we've had since 2013 and do our best to just deliver you some analysis of every quarterback that isn't named Kenny Pickett and how we think we should be handling them in your rookie drafts, redraft, dynasty in general. Uh, just really quickly, since we're not going to talk really in-depth on Pickett, Felix, what is your overall consensus with Pickett? Do you think that he is worth a top 10 Debbie or a uh, dynasty pick in Superflex. Do you think he's going to start this year where you kind of sit in that top 10 dynasty pick in rookie drafts? Yeah. Rookie drafts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And rookie drafts, I think once you get to that 10 mark, you know, you probably got to take a quarterback that has first round quarterback or first round uh, draft capital. I'm not a fan of Kenny Pickett, but I wasn't a fan of Josh Allen. You know, look at how far Lamar Jackson fell in some drafts. We think that we know what we're talking about here. And we really, I mean, time and time again, we find out that we don't. And and quite frankly, if there was going to be a questionable quarterback prospect to go to an organization, I think Pittsburgh is one of the places where you would have that player land to have the best chances of success that they that they could have so um good landing spot there good organization um but yeah let's not let's not get too full of ourselves once we get to that 10 range pull the tr- the the pull the trigger on Kenny Pickett I mean it's super flex you know mm-hmm. I mean first round quarterbacks carry carry value they just do look at Daniel Jones look at Carson Wentz they carry value if they don't show a, t- a tremendous amount look at Mitch Trubisky you know, he was probably one of the most difficult first-round draft picks in the most recent in recent memory that's played but hasn't lived up to the hype. And he's out here trying his best to fend away Kenny Pickett for the entire season. So they're gonna they're gonna maintain value better than some of your picks elsewhere. 
So I want to talk about pros and cons of these prospects. Everyone pretty much knows, you should know, please dear God know, about these, about these prospects. So Matt Corral goes in the third round. Carolina trades up for him. Where are you sitting with Corral? What are some pros and cons? Where do you think he's positioned for in terms of his overall outlook? I think Corral is uh, going to be an interesting case study moving forward when we consider the quarterbacks playing under Lane Kiffin's you know, RPO scheme. Is that going to be something that we have to watch out for, that the NFL just doesn't like it? Because Matt Corral, for all of his decision-making problems that he had in seasons prior, he came around this season. He added a rushing element. You can really tell that he's developed personally. Um, for I can't even remember who who preceded Lane Kiffin, but um, uh, Corral under Corral under Kiffin became a, a leader of a team and a, and a friend to his head coach. And he has the arm talent. I mean. You're talking about guys who can kind of make every single throw and do it in weird arm angles and all that kind of stuff. Matt Corral has all of that. And so him falling out of the first round is interesting because our NFL was like, all right, you didn't have enough. We know he has the tools, right? We know he has the tools, a little undersized, but uh, still has, has really a cannon for a right arm and the aggressiveness too. So, um, decision-making and size are his cons, but those are probably, and those are big cons, to be fair, and his offense. I mean, the NFL is not, we're just going to run RPO and you read a linebacker because, quite frankly, it's different. You know, your offensive linemen don't have three yards to shoot off the ball, so your safeties don't know what, whether it's run or pass the, the third second into the play, which is why uh, RPO works so well in college you got to make these decisions a little bit quicker and the windows are tighter etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know it's a problem that he didn't play in an nfl offense but i mean a lot of these offenses are are spread open and don't have a ton of nfl concepts but we know that matt corral can make all of the throws so i don't even remember what the question was because i've been talking but um I, I was surprised that he fell out of the first round. Me too. Because out of even considering Malik Willis, who we'll talk about later, I think that as far as you know, arm, I think that Corral probably had the best physical tool set as far as you know. Yeah. As it's, a it was, passer, maybe not as accurate. It was but, weird though, but, right? It was really weird that he fell out. Yeah. The only the only knock I had on Corral coming into the, or the pre-draft process was the fact that. He's a little undersized, and he didn't take care of his body when he was scrambling. He was out there scrambling which, like he was Which you like. Like, you want a quarterback putting their body on the line. You to an mean? extent. Like, to an extent. Right? You, you want them to be, like, the size of Cam Newton put their body on the line, not being out here, Kyler Murray, out here trying to take on a 245-pound linebacker and getting demolished, right? Like, And to Matt Corral's credit, prior to that ankle injury, he was, like, consensus top two quarterback moving into the college season. So it, this was just – such a bizarre quarterback draft. It, it, it was incredible, you know. And so we'll we'll move on here because we're going to circle back to all these guys again. But Corral was a really, really interesting case study just in general. Which another, I mean, these are all very interesting case studies. But Desmond Ritter, five-year senior uh, at Cincinnati, goes to Atlanta. You know, I, I I get just hints of hints of Jordan Love. 
you know, I think he's a better Jordan Love, but I kind of get like on on or off. You don't really get up in between with him. So what are you kind of envisioning for, for Desmond Ritter here? Um, so I would be li- – we had a lot of conversations about Desmond Ritter uh, on Debbie Debate uh, last offseason going into this year. Matt Bruning really liked him. And he was just someone who never stood out as having some sort of trump card trait. Yes, he's 6'4", 200 and whatever pounds, but that's not, uh, all right, what else do you have? He wasn't terribly fast. He didn't break tackles. He wasn't an elite rusher. He wasn't an elite. It's like, like if Desmond Ritter was 6'1", 190 pounds, like what would we be talking about him being a potentially a first-round draft pick in in last year's draft? No, would we be talking about him? Oh, we got to get the Atlanta Falcons potential starter Desmond Ritter. No, I don't think I don't think so. Like I think that his just overall size and the fact that he was successful at a G five school that beat some Power Five teams kind of elevated him. But you look at Cincinnati and how many players they got drafted in this draft. I mean, that was a very good team. Um, so I don't know. And I'm not afraid to say this. Like, I don't know what Desmond Ritter's plus attributes are going to be at the NFL level. I agree. He's not he's not a I have no idea. He's not a dynamic runner. He's not an elite thrower. I think what his I think the most interesting parts of him premiere the fact that his intangibles seem to be in that threshold. You know, he for and it's I I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's just a couple of things coming out where you know, a lot of the peep reports coming out saying he was doing really, really well in team interviews and a couple other things that he just is coming in and he's really working hard on it. And, you know, he's a father. He's a husband. There you he's go. He's a mature guy. Mm-hmm. Carries himself and that's well. That's great. It's important. That is great. That is awesome. It's but important. It doesn't score us fantasy. It points. does not. And, you know, to Ritter's credit, we are hearing uh, 4 for 4 had Atlanta's beat writer on their podcast a couple episodes ago. And he was saying that he thinks very – he's confident, in fact, that Desmond Ritter is going to get a run at it this year. And so that has value because, as Felix pointed out, we don't know. <laughs> One of these guys could very well end up being really good. I don't think it's possible. But it's, it is a reality. There is an alternate universe that there's one of these guys that are going to be successful. And so if you can get them in your second or third round – of your rookie draft, I, at a certain point, you just have to say, fuck it, he's going to start, and I'm going to be able to turn the value off from there, be able to turn the value from that start onto something else. Now, the one player that I just, I'm not in on, I have no interest in, I don't really care anymore, Malik Willis, another G5 guy. Felix, where are you standing with Willis? How are you coming into him at Carolina, you know, Ryan Tannehill's got his contract tolling up next year. So everyone's a little interested and excited. So where are you kind of seeing him moving forward? So all of all the players we're going to talk about today, it's only Desmond Ritter that I would be like, I'm not going to have him rostered anywhere. Interesting. Malik Willis has some, Malik Willis was a power five recruit, a power five quarterback that transferred. Malik Willis has, 
you know, some elite traits in addition to being able to run the ball. He might not, he may not be, you know, as accurate as you'd hope, but he can make some wow throws on the run from the pocket. You know, um, there was the talking about his accuracy. There is that uh, play that he made along the right sideline, a throw that everybody kind of pointed out in the off in the off season. Um, and so, and I like his landing spot as far as is Tennessee. Um, so I, I would, I mean, the, the value is always the question for, for these players, right? I don't think that either, I don't think anybody we've talked about so far is a first round uh, dynasty rookie pick. Um, the question is, where are we taking them after that? I would, I would jump on Willis in the second round, probably the end of the second round. Um, I would jump on Matt Corral. I mean, Matt Corral is paired with – oh, shoot. I forgot the head coach's name. Who used Matt to be Rule. Baylor and Temple. Yes, Matt Rule. Matt Rule, who – come on now. Coming into, uh, coming into Carolina, he was considered very – he was very well regarded. He was a second coming. Particularly for his, for his offenses. So um, – and, and I know I'm going, getting back to Willis. He has some decision-making issues. He played – at the power five level. And I don't, I don't think that he showed the um, uh, ability to run an NFL offense kind of the way that, that Trey Lance did at North Dakota state. I mean, they very much ran some Shanahan rollout wide nine concepts at, at uh, uh, North Dakota state. And, and, you know, Hugh Freeze's offense is not as, comparable to the NFL, at least in my opinion, that's from an untrained eye. So, um, so, uh, but he has a physical ability. He has a physical ability, but that's a team that's, I feel like is on the cusp of rebuilding. You know, Derrick Henry is the age that he's, he's at. And, Mm -hmm. you know, are they going to sign Ryan? I don't know where Ryan Tannehill is at in his, his contract, but are they going to re-sign him? to some multi-year deal. And so that might be good for Malik Willis in that they end up building around him and him being the whole offense because, I mean, we know what the game is. Running the ball in fantasy is a big deal. And he can that can actually – that can absolutely be a prominent part of his game. Yeah, I just – you know, I was – I let the public – persuade me on Malik Willis. I bought into the whole good guy narrative, the whole, not that he's not a good guy, but the, I bought into all of the offseason narratives that Malik Willis is going to get it. And I figured, well, what the fuck? If he gets first round draft capital with that running ability, he's going to have value irregardless of what's going to happen, right? I don't. I can live with the fact that he's inaccurate. I can live with all these things. But then he drops to the third. And I just, man, I, you know, the fact that he didn't get that first round draft capital, I have no interest in him at all. I just would rather go Ritter or Corral because I think those guys have shown more, even though they may not have the highest ceiling. I just feel like they're more likely to have a higher likelihood of doing something, right? And so for me, Willis is very, very scary. But I, I, I'm not going to knock anyone for taking him because, like I said, the upside is there and as we've the good thing about all of these players is I don't think that anybody is drafting them wherever you have to draft them in startups or in, in I keep wanting to say supplemental drafts, but in, in rookie drafts, you're not drafting them as though you have to rely on them right. to start at any point soon. Yeah. So I, I think that they are actually 
values of some uh, in some respects because what's in the in the third round it's a dark throw anyway if you take a running back tight end wide receiver and if you're going to get one of these guys that has the potential to be a starting quarterback i mean your rate rate of return on that pick is potentially astronomical so uh again it's just all all value though you know i hear it the name of the game with this draft class is flip like it's burning your hand Flip, 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 because value will come, and you must capitalize on most of these players. Uh, so I feel, you know, I don't like talking about Sam Howell anymore just because I got mad, and that's usually where my brilliance comes from is when people piss me off. And I looked at, you know, 2012 to 2021, how many quarterbacks that were drafted rounds 5 to 7 had started a game, had started more than four games, of all the quarterbacks drafted have started at least one game. 4% of all the quarterbacks drafted have started at least four or more games. Mostly because Gardner Minshew is a god. And he was a solid return on that. So the likelihood of Sam Howe, albeit the fact that Carson Wentz is not the epitome of health and or anything else, he just makes me so (sighs) uncomfy to roster, but I understand again people wanting to roster him. So Felix, where are you kind of sitting with Sam Howell in terms of his drafts appeal? He was my number one quarterback coming out. Same. And, um, oh, too, but yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started from day one as a freshman. That mm-hmm. doesn't really happen. Um, kind of elevated a North Carolina program to being one of the, a, a basketball school. That's one of the top recruiting programs in the country now which is you don't really see i mean you know kansas isn't recruiting football at an elite level but north carolina is and that a lot of that has to do with some of the things sam how sam how did there did there you know he and he did some of those things when he had daz newsom there and michael carter and um javante williams who he didn't have in 2021 i don't really understand what it is that the nfl didn't like about him and I went and I before our this show today, I went and read up to see what it is that they didn't like about him. Well, he's six one and a half. He had some passes batted, and he wasn't as consistent as he was in years prior. Well, he did add over eight hundred yards rushing and eleven touchdowns because he didn't have the weapons that he had. I think that that he had in previous seasons. I think that Sam Howell is absolutely a gamer, and we're gonna get to some questions later on. Um, about you know what we think about this class, but I I had a lot of faith in him coming into the season. As a matter of fact, my dream the Detroit Lions, my my team, my dream scenario when I saw Sam Howell falling out of the first round mm-hmm. was that the Lions would take would be able to get Jamison Williams at the end of the first round and get Sam Howell at the beginning of the second round. Sam Howell, who is one of the best deep ball throwers in the class. You pair that with Detroit's elite offensive line. I think it's okay to call Detroit's offensive line elite. I call it that. And then pair that, and then and then pair that with Jamison Williams, who is an elite field stretcher. I was like, man, this play action game is going to be dope mm-hmm. with those two. Well, it didn't happen, and we saw Sam Howell keep. We did get Jamison Williams, which I, I that, which I, it's crazy because I did call him being a good fit for the Lions, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, how fell and fell and fell. Um, but but look where he's at. Carson Wentz, um, Taylor Heineke, 
Like, this is not a depth chart that you have to be afraid of. And again, I think that we keep coming to the issue of value, of value. And where do you got to take Sam Howell in a startup? Where do you got to take Sam Howell in a dynasty rookie draft? Like, not, you know. Sleeper has him outside the top 30. He's picked 36 right now. Sleeper ADP for rookies. So that's fourth round. Yeah. Or third round. So if I want to take... Whatever. Pick 36. If I'm going to take a dart throw there, it's going to be a dart throw anyway. So the same... Uh, the same uh, uh, kind of uh, analysis with with Malik Willis, where if I hit on this player, if I I feel like this is the draft where you, first of all, the draft wasn't strong at all anyway. You know what I mean? You had the wide receiver class, but what? Who's the running back that you're gonna take at pick thirty four that you have faith in? Bust. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not? Why not get a, a potential starting a potential potential starting quarterback who may start at some point, even if they're a backup and, you know, are thrusted into the starting uh, lineup. You know, Felix, it's almost like you've had a career persuading people and getting them to see from your line of thinking. It's it's uncanny. You know, you almost made me feel like I should take a shot on Malik Willis and Sam Howell, and that is a very difficult feat to achieve, my friend, a very difficult feat. So uh, It's been a while since I've had a rookie draft. I mean, you know, since the spring or so. But I would like to see the, the the players being taken. Because you're talking about like Kyron Williams versus Malik Willis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think that those are the types of decisions that that um, dynasty leaguers had to make. Which is a tough – well, which is a lot easier now that Kyron Williams broke his foot. But in the moment was pretty had, – had a actually difficult decision to make. So who do you think is going to be the player that we've mentioned above that is going to be a multi-game starter? I have to I have to go back to Sam Howell. So it's funny, like I'm getting old now because people are forgetting these things, but Bill Parcells had the quarterback rules that he believed um, you know, you needed to meet for the for them to select you, whether it be the Giants or the Cowboys or when he was the GM there for the Dolphins. It's be a three year, and I think that you know, had he if he was still in the NFL, these would be modified a bit. But these were the original rules: be a three year starter, Sam Howell, check. Be a senior in college. I think we would change that for today. I don't think that would be a requirement. Graduate from college. I don't think that that would be a requirement. Start thirty games. Sam Howell started thirty seven. Win twenty three games. Sam Howell won twenty. Post a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Sam Howell's was four to one. Completed at least 60% of passing, passes thrown. Sam Howell completed 63. I think that if it was, you know, considering the modern NFL, mm-hmm. that would probably be 65 yeah. plus. But still, 63 for Sam Howell and added the rushing that he did uh, this season. Check, 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 check all of these boxes. Weak depth chart. For a team that last year folks thought was a potential playoff contender because of that defense, that front seven. Um. So, I mean, I, I think it's a it's not a great bet. You know, the odds we're going to hit big if we hit, if we hit on one of these. But the most likely, and when you say multi game starter, I'm I'm assuming that you mean like like a stretch, like like a four or five game stretch at some point this year or at some point in the future. Just in general, in general, because I think I think this year is cheating because we know Desmond Ritter, but just like in the future, do you think they're going to have like a, a stretch of games where they start of like. Four to six games, you know. I, I, I guess you know Ritter. Ritter is um, closer on the depth chart, but I think is 
who is the player that that could that could start and then become a starter, be a multi-game starter and potentially compete for a starting job out of these guys. I think it's I'm going to go back to Sam. And I I mean, and that's that kind of rounds so all of our questions resolve around this ADP multi-year starter. So your multi-year starter, your multi-game starter is going to be Sam Howell just because again, you've mentioned and laid out a fantastic argument for what he's done in college and I it feels very likely that the NFL just overreacted to a very, very bad senior year because he lost four really crucial weapons and had just Josh Downs and Ty Chandler. I put a lot of stock in the fact in the in a in a eighteen year old just got out of the prom freshman going to a power five school and performing well. Yeah, you just don't see that every day. No, you don't. And it, you, what you also don't see is you don't see Sam Howell. And the career that he had just plummet in the NFL draft, which is something there's information that we are not privy to. And that's the only Occam's razor, right? The path, the easiest path is often the past the path to like the closest to the truth. Something isn't being brought to light that the public knows, whether it be a concern with his mentals, whether it be a, a medical concern, although I don't believe he was often injured in college. You know, there's something that we aren't privy to that the NFL was that they said, we need to step back from this uh, because everything we've pointed out, it, it just does not make sense. There's something not standing up. And for me, I think my multi-year starter, my multi-game starter is going to be Matt Corral. I just, I, I like when teams trade up for players. I think Matt Corral has been mostly undervalued and under overlooked just because he was in most of his pre-draft process was injured and nursing that ankle injury. So that's just someone that I really am excited for, especially with where you can get him value wise moving forward. Um, now I, I am curious. So assuming Sam Howell is not available because we know that's your answer and that's just cheating at this point, you have, Malik Willis, pick 17, Desmond Ritter, pick 18, or Matt Corral, pick 26, according to Sleeper's rookie ADP. Felix, which of those three quarterbacks do you think would offer you the highest return on investment based on where you have to take them out? I guess it has to be Corral because of his length. Like, if Matt Corral becomes the starter with Christian McCaffrey, with DJ Moore, I mean, his situation is immediately, like, great. And we know that he has kind of the aggressive play style to maximize those weapons. So I was going to say Malik Willis, given his rushing ability, but I don't know if he was even implemented as the starter. Like, I feel like he would be the a, a focus of a defense, like just stopping him. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Corral. I think that makes sense, especially because you can get him basically 12 picks afterwards, you know? Uh, right. So, are there any of these players listed? And this is, I feel like, is the, the most important question of all this. We can discuss values and we can discuss who's going to do what and where, but which of these guys are any of these guys? Are you going to hold on to on your dynasty teams, your Debbie teams, your Campus Canton teams after you see that value spike, right? Are you going to say, you know what, I see the value, but I'm going to actually hold this guy because I think he's going to be more valuable on my team than what he could return moving forward? Are there any of those guys for you? Yeah, this is the Dak Prescott question, you know. Like, when we see Dak coming in for Tony Romo because of his injury, like, you know, are we holding on to him or not? Um, I don't think it's 
I need to see more from Willis to even consider him for this partic- particular answer. Like, I need to see more from him as a passer. So I kind of want to ex- – it's not Ritter. It's not Ritter for me. I've never been a fan of Ritter. And I'm going to remove uh, Malik Willis from this conversation, okay, because he's going from G5 to the NFL. So that means it's between Corral and Howe. And, um, I mean, that, that Carolina team has been looking for a quarterback for, you know, since Rule has been there. Mm-hmm. And if, if Corral is inserted as the starter and he pops for, uh, you know, a coach who's supposed to be able to put up numbers offensively, supposed then to. I think that it would be, I think that it would be, I think that it would be potentially, I mean, and, and let's not, I mean, you mentioned that, that broken ankle. I mean, he, Broke, he broke that ankle because he was towards the end of the season last year. Matt Corral was putting the team on his back, on his back in every single way, rushing the ball and throwing the ball. And so, um, you know, he's someone who's not afraid to put his body on the line near the goal line and, and get you some Jameis Winston-type rushing production. So I'm going to go with uh, with Matt Corral. I like it. And as long as he, Matt Corral's not eating any Ws like Jameis, I think we're going to be okay. Um, I, you know, I, I feel so bad for Matt Corral and that, and it's, I, so it was a bowl game. Everyone's like, don't play in this game. There's literally no reason it is. You have zero incentivization to do this. You're just going to risk your draft stock. And sure enough, every year we have this conversation. Do you sit out bowl games? Do you play in bowl games? Like, what are you supposed to do? And then Matt Corral comes and the poor dude breaks his ankle and, you know, I, that has to be a part of the reason why he slid so far in the draft. I, obviously, there's no way to know if he would have gone this place healthy or not. But, I mean, goodness gracious, what a tough decision to stomach for Matt Corral moving forward. I, I just, it's just, it, I would not wish that on my worst enemy or my most annoying friends. <laughs> but, uh, Felix, I think, you know, I'm, I personally feel that I am exhausted talking about these guys because I just, I really don't want to spend too much time on guys that aren't honestly going to be spending a lot of our mind juice moving forward in the future years. So I, I thank you so much for coming on. I think you did a fantastic job summarizing and breaking down the small bits and pieces of glory with this class. So go ahead and let the folks know what you're working on and then where they can find you. We'll get you out of here, my man. Uh, I'm just working on keeping the wheels turning at campus2canton.com. That's campus2canton.com. If you haven't played in C2Cs, man, you got to get into it. Um, it is – people keep asking, oh, I wish we had more football. I wish I, you know, caring about the USFL and the XFL and all this stuff. No, play in C2Cs and you will not be – disappointed if you don't know what that is you have two teams a college roster and an nfl roster and when your college players declare for the nfl draft they're added to your nfl roster so you know the tuesday matching games matter the games on the big noon game on on saturday it matters that game that start hawaii versus nevada (laughs) that starts at 10 p.m eastern time it matters i know that that's fine for brit because it's only seven there but it's it's 10 o'clock on the on the east coast it matters so it's just the most immersive form of fantasy football and it's just a ton of fun because it's hard to project 
you know, you got 131 FBS teams, you got 100 players on each team, you got damn near 14,000 players to consider in that player pool. But we've got the tools for you at campus2camp.com to have fun, to have success in these leagues on both sides. So check us out, campus2camp.com. Yeah, I strongly recommend doing all that. And you know, every year in the drafts, you are watching the sixth and seventh round, and they're saying guys like Derek Young or Bo Melton, and you're just thinking, who the fuck are these people? Why do I care? Uh, the tight end that Tennessee chose, uh, Chidozi Oguaidu, I think I fucked that up again, yikes. But like, campus again, you are going to know those guys because you have to know a tremendous amount of people, and it's overwhelming, but that's why the campus to Canton boys are here, together to help you, guide you, and relax that anxiety of knowing so many people. And I want to dispel that last thing because, you know, you get intimidated by that player pool at first. And I was, you know, playing CTCs myself. But as you play and as you get to know the systems and the coaches that you need to pay attention to, that player pool really, really narrows down. So um, you got to dive in and you got, but and try to swim, but you will keep your head above water. That's such a great way to just summarize fantasy football in general <laughs> you will keep your head above water everybody thank you so much for being here i really appreciate your time it's valuable and it means a lot you spend it with me please as always check in with your loved ones let them know that they are loved let them know they are thought about you never know when your last opportunity is to talk to them to tell them you love them to tell them you're thinking of them life is unpredictable and shitty more times than not so please don't let those opportunities slip by let them just take a small amount of time in your day and make their day you can find me on Twitter at the FF Sandman. You can find me writing for Yards Per. You can find me here for Breakout Finder. You can find me writing for uh, Fantasy Pros. You can find me doing recordings on here. Congratulations, by the way. You can find me on Brandon's Devi Deep Dive channel doing predictive measures of success. I'll be doing another podcast coming up soon. There's so many things to do. But... As always, I really appreciate you. You guys have been very, very supportive lately, and it's been just something that's been very, very wonderful to be a part of. I'm going to stop rambling so you can go listen to your next fantasy football show that definitely won't be as good as this one, but you got to listen to more than one. But that's the podcast, friends. Peace!